phrase that we're going to be looking at tonight is in verse 16, good hope by grace. And uh, that's what we're going to be focusing on. And we know that elsewhere, for example, in 1 Peter 3, we're told that as believers, we should always be ready to give a defense or a reason to everyone who asks a reason for the hope that is in us. And uh, that tells us straight away that as Christians, we ought to be known as hopeful people. If an unbeliever is watching us for a while, maybe sees us in the workplace or uh, in our daily activities, maybe our neighbours watching on or even those in our families, and then engages us in conversation, which we pray that the Lord would grant us the privilege of such, you would want part of that inquiry from them or part of that conversation to be, why do you have such hope? especially in such difficult times as these, when it can seem quite hopeless. And so it should show in the way that we live, should show in our joy. Romans 12, 12 says that the believer is to be rejoicing in hope, speaks about that love and the hope of the love that we receive. Boldness, 2 Corinthians 3, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech and also endurance And so as believers, we should be known as hopeful people. And the reason why we should be hopeful is because we have strong reasons to hope. You know, it's not a a vague hope. We have strong reasons to hope, and it's a reasonable hope. And we should know why we hope. And that's where our text comes in tonight. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. So we ask the question, what is our hope based on? Well, very simple answer. Our hope is grounded and based on God's grace. If God were not a gracious God, we would have no hope. We might have desires. We might try to think and position ourselves to make the best of our brief and uncertain lives we might even try and cross our fingers as it were but there would be no certain hope there would be no confident expectation that all things are actually working out in a truly good and lasting way but the christian's confidence and hope is bound up in the great god of grace and it's that phrase good hope by grace that struck me as i was reading through what really is a benediction and one that we use often We have a good hope and it's been given to us by grace. And so when someone asks you, why are you such a hopeful person? One thing you can say is because of the amazing grace of God. And the thing that we need to also define is this. Who has this good hope through grace? Well, this eternal comfort and good hope through grace is something that only believers have. Paul makes that clear from the outset of that benediction. He says, now may our Lord. So there is a a personal relationship, those who know Jesus for themselves as Lord. And then he also says, and our God and Father. So he's talking to those believers here in the church at Thessalonica who trust and know God as their Father. And so good hope through grace is a gift for those who belong to Jesus Christ. For those who do not obey Christ as Lord and who trust themselves rather than God, we know, as Hebrews 10 says, there is only a certain fearful expectation of judgment 
and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. To be outside of Christ is truly to be hopeless in every way. And so we then ask the question, well, if this is believers, what is good about the hope that we have as believers? Well, you just have to read those few verses together that we read, and you can see that it's surrounded by amazing truths. You know, he speaks, doesn't he, immediately before of everlasting consolation or eternal comfort. And so when we ask what is good about this hope, We ask also, where does this grace come from? What does it do? What is the reality of it? And that's why Paul has given us this short summary of what's involved in our salvation, because he shows us this amazing grace in action. Look at verses 13 to 14. God, from the beginning, chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth, to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So just break that up and see the wonder of it. 13 to 14, we are, as believers, chosen by God and we are called by God. Verse 13, God from the beginning chose you for salvation. The first step that brought us to our eternal comfort and good hope is the election of God. God choosing us for salvation in his sovereign grace. That is a a staggering thing to even begin to contemplate. And then in verse 14, to which, belief and sanctification which we'll come on to, he called you by our gospel. So God chose us and he called us to this good hope, to this eternal comfort. It is God's initiative, God's action. And then we have this phrase, verse 13, sanctification by the Spirit. So God chose us and he called us, and the goal of that is for us to be saved. But what are the means by which we attain to this salvation? By the Holy Spirit, who gives us life and changes us. So once we're born again, we are set on that process of being made like the Lord Jesus, being conformed to the image of Christ. And so we are brought on to holiness and godliness to live to God's glory. And this inner work of the Holy Spirit, the outworking of that, gives us this eternal comfort and good hope by grace, the Spirit's work. But then verse 13, he also speaks of belief in the truth. No one is saved apart from faith in the truth of the gospel. So we attain salvation only on the road of faith. All other roads lead to destruction. No other roads lead to life. So the outworking of the Spirit's work is to grant to us the ability to believe, to have that faith. Faith itself is a gift of God. And so we see in these things God's purpose set in place before the foundation of the world and then enacted in time. We are called, sorry, we are chosen and we are called. called. We see the work of God by his spirit to bring life and to set us on that path to sanctification. And we see the God-given response that we exercise, which is faith in him, faith in his word. So in terms of the Spirit's work, he gives life, 
He gives those gifts of repentance and faith and we see him working these things in our lives. As one explains, wherever the Holy Spirit is at work to sanctify, there is faith. Wherever faith is alive, the Holy Spirit is at work to sanctify. One road connects our calling and our glorification. The road of faith, which is also the road of sanctification, if you are on the road to glory, you are believing the truth of God and you are being sanctified by the Spirit of God. So all of this, all of this that is taking place is God's initiative, God's work. And then verse 14 is really incredible. Obtaining the glory of Christ. For the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is another part of our salvation that secures that eternal comfort and good hope, obtaining the glory of Christ. That's the goal of our salvation. That is what we are heading towards, sharing in the glory of Jesus Christ forever and ever. And when we think of these things that God chose us, that he called us through the gospel, that the spirit of God is working in us even now, that we're given faith to believe the truth of God and we are being led to obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. We see, don't we, that our salvation is a mighty work of God from beginning to end. And so it is that unshakable foundation upon which rests our comfort and this good hope. He elected, he called, he sanctifies, he preserves us for glory this is the truth in which we believe and rest. And so when we draw it back to that phrase, we link that into the fact that all of that is of grace, all of God's grace. And what makes our eternal comfort and good hope so rich and so precious is that it is through grace. Those two little words which are eternally significant by grace. Every part of our salvation is a gift of grace. So you go through those things again and then you add the fact that it's of grace. So we were chosen according to grace. Our election is an election of grace. If you were to think on Romans 11, Paul tries to show that God has not forsaken his people Israel and some are being saved through his ministry and the future prospect of a great work of salvation. But he compares his time to the time of Elijah when there was a faithful remnant who had not bowed the knee to Baal. And this is what he says, Even so then, at this present time there is a remnant according to the election of grace, and if by grace, then it is no longer of works, otherwise grace is no longer grace. So if you want a definition of grace in the New Testament, there it is. Grace is God's purpose to elect for himself a people apart from any of their works. And so when God chose us for himself, he did not base his choice on any works that we might do, rather solely on the gracious counsel of his will. We did not deserve it. We did not do anything to merit it. There was nothing in us that drew that favour. It is purely of his grace. We were chosen according to grace, free grace. And we should never lose the wonder of that. Even tonight, why are you here? You know, why do you have hope? 
in the face of all that's going on. Why you? Why me? The grace of God. Nothing of you, all of him. And that should draw us out in worship and adoration. We were chosen according to grace. Also, we were called through grace. Verse 14, when God came to us in the gospel and wakened us from spiritual death and raised us to life in Christ, where did that come from? Where did it come from? Why would he do that for rebellious sinners like us? Well, listen to what Paul writes in 2 Timothy 1. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. And so Paul stresses the the freedom of grace by revealing that God's purpose to call you to life was made before even time existed, before time began. When he contemplated you as a sinner clothed in the righteousness of his son before the world was ever made. And so we're chosen and we're called through grace. I think that's stunning. I think we say these things and we know of them, but it doesn't move us as it should. That we have been dealt with in this way that God has set his love and his grace upon us before even time began. And then in time, enacted that to call you to himself. And then we were, we are sanctified by grace. As we said, sanctification is process of becoming more like the Lord Jesus, the day by day working out of what it means to be chosen and called by God. It's interesting, 1 Corinthians 15.10, Paul does this uh, little bit of self-examination in order to compare himself to know where he stands with the other apostles. And in verse 9, he says that he is the least of the apostles because he persecuted the church. But then in verse 10, he bears witness to the work of God's grace in his life since those terrible dark days. And he says, doesn't he, well-known words, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Now, the actual word sanctification isn't used there, but the reality of it is seen all the way through that. A persecutor of the church being transformed into a hard-working, obedient servant of Jesus Christ. Three times in that verse, Paul affirms that this transformation is owing not to himself, but to God's grace. Three times in that one sentence, he says, by God's grace, by God's grace, by God's grace. He wants them to be clear. By the grace of God, I am what I am. God's grace to me was not in vain. I laboured more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. This is the way as believers we ought to think and feel and talk about sanctification. Our lives are a work of God's grace. By God's grace you were chosen for salvation. By God's grace you were called to a life of holiness. And by God's grace you are now being sanctified. And no matter how hard you work, and you should work hard for God's glory, by the way, but even then the lasting fruit of your labour is always owing to the grace of God. And if our comfort and hope are in any way dependent on the transformation of our lives, 
That comfort is still an eternal comfort and it is a good hope because it is not I, but the grace of God within me. And that guarantees the progress that I need. And we quickly forget that, don't we? That God's purpose towards us cannot be thwarted and that he's promised to complete that work begun in us. And the enemy wants to make us forget it too. And he wants to remind you of all of your failings and all of your limitations and all of the ways in which you have stumbled. But we need to keep coming back to the fact that this is all of grace. And God has promised that grace that we need day by day. And the last couple of things, we were made to believe the truth through grace. In Acts 18, you can read about some of Paul's travels. And uh, I really love looking for those little asides. Sometimes not the main point of teaching, but the, the sort of comments that are there, but give you insight into the worldview and the theology and Luke, the inspired writer of this book, we get an insight into the way that he thinks. And it's just almost, I mean, we know that nothing in scriptures is, you know, it's all there with purpose. But he says in Acts 18, 27, And when he desired to cross to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him. And when he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. So he identifies the believers, but he also says, well, they're believers through grace, the grace of God at work. They believe because God had been at work with his grace. You know, how did we come to believe? Is there any true believer who can honestly say, I overcame my rebellion against God. I decided that I would change my life and follow the Lord. I took out the heart of stone that I had and I put in myself the heart of faith. I changed myself from being a skeptic into a, a trusting child of God and I turned my indifference into the zeal of faith. Well, when we put it in those terms, it's ludicrous. When the trusting child of God speaks the truth of God, he says, by grace, I believed. By grace, the Lord put a heart of flesh where there was a heart of stone. By grace, my indifference was transformed into the zeal of faith. To us, grace has brought us safe thus far, and grace will lead us home. And that's the last bit, really, obtaining the glory of Jesus by grace. None of us knows this in fullness yet, obtaining the glory of Christ. How can we be sure that our salvation will really turn out in glory and not destruction? I don't know if you ever think on those things, I think maybe turning 40 has had a big impact on me. We start to think about the future. How can we be sure? How can we be sure that this is going to work out? How can we know that our comfort is an eternal comfort and that our hope really is solid and sure? We go back to grace. God's grace. Interesting, in the first chapter of this letter, Paul prays for the church. Starting in verse 11 of chapter 1, he says, Therefore, we also pray always for you that our God will count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. When we're finally glorified in Jesus Christ and our salvation is complete, we will praise and worship forever and magnify the Lord for his grace. From beginning to end, our salvation 
our election, our calling, our faith, our sanctification, our glorification is a work of grace. Friend, you know it. You know the words. But do you really know it? Does it impact you as it should? And maybe we need to cry out that the Lord would impress these things upon us all the more. I want you to be encouraged tonight as well. You might be really struggling at the moment, maybe stumbling on, but never forget why you're even walking in the way of the Lord, why you even have any desires after him. It's because he has laid hold of you and he won't let you go. Even the flicker of life is his work. So why are you downcast, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, because he's a God of matchless grace. He elects by grace, he calls by grace, he sanctifies by grace, he sustains by grace, and he will glorify you by grace. You can't earn it, you don't deserve it, you can't merit it, but we believe it, and we rest in it, and we should delight in it. Amen. Amen.